0: Before we get started, ESPN College Game Day podcast is hosted by Reese Davis and Pete Thamel, getting you ready for each weekend in college football. Look forward to expert analysis, guests, and insight when it comes to what you need to know this season with College Game Day every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Listen wherever you get your podcast.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, how you been, man? We didn't have a show last week. It's been about two weeks. I miss you, my guy. Hey, man, I miss you too, brother. But, hey, within those two weeks, we got to see some fights.
0: I'm sure you got some rest before you get back on this road and working. And the season's about to start, man. So we needed a break, but we're back this week to give the people what they want.
1: Absolutely, dog. And coming up on the show, we're going to talk about UFC 279. We gonna do some Nick, I'm sorry, Nate Diaz' biggest moments. We also tap in and tap out. But Ryan, when I look at the opening of the show, dog, you with that Super Bowl trophy, how it feel, Ryan? Like, like, is it heavy? <laughs> like, I just, I just gotta know. Like, is the Super Bowl trophy heavy? It actually isn't very heavy, DC. Uh,
0: but it's one of those things, man, that the 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 weight of what it means to you is way bigger than the weight of what it feels in your hands. Probably the same way it feels, man, when you put that belt on and get that opportunity. I think the difference is is you got an opportunity to work with all these dudes for a certain amount of time to win one trophy they give out mm-hmm. each year, and that's the thing you think about when you're running off the field as a
1: Super Bowl victor. That's crazy, man, watching you that. You're laying down on the ground, the confetti's all wrapped around you, and it takes a <laughs> lifetime. It takes a yeah. lifetime in order to accomplish a UFC championship, a Super Bowl, NBA championship. Yep. It felt like a lifetime, though, before the UFC finally made its way to fr- to France, to Paris. Yeah, Last week, Paddy welcomed the UFC in the main event. Cyril Ghosn Tai Tuivasa, mm. absolutely delivered. But I believe that the crowd played such a massive part in the event, feeling as successful as it did. When you think back to last Saturday, Ryan, I'm not talking the fight yet. I'm talking about just the environment, the atmosphere, the excitement that these people showed on Saturday. You could tell that it was a long time coming, and it was very warranted that the UFC took it out to France. You know what
0: I notice more than anything is the appreciation of the people who don't get to see it all the time. Whenever we go across the pond, or you're in Abu Dhabi, or obviously how... Uh, This weekend out in Paris, France, when they get an opportunity to get an event, they show Dana White, they show the UFC that this shouldn't be the only event that we Mm -hmm. get. This shouldn't be the last time that you come here. And I think when you go back through the fights, no matter what fighter was walking out, no matter, except for a tie to a obviously, because he had to go against <laughs> surreal real guy. But no matter what fighter that was walking out, you had excitement. Bruce Buffer brought, brought the excitement when he was announcing each and every fight. And then you can actually see the fighters feed off of it as well in the octagon. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an awesome card just to see what those fans could bring to an event like that.
1: You know what's crazy is like, when they were doing the Paris card and it was getting announced... I'm like, no chance. I never want to go overseas. I don't want to do any internationals. (laughs) Bro, everybody went early. Everybody seemed to have a great time. And that's one of the places that I haven't visited. So next time they go, I may go. But the problem is, it's only the first time one time. And the first time is always much bigger than anything. Because, dude, I remember the first time we went to New York City when Conor McGregor fought Eddie Alvarez. Bro, they yep. had, like, people on the streets with speakers out front of Madison Square. It was the most insane environment. And while the fights are still massive now in MSG, they don't quite feel the same as right. they did the first okay. time. But ultimately, those great fights led to Tai Tuivasa versus Cyril Gan. I watched that fight. And in that fight, Ryan, we saw Cyril Gan fight in a way that we really hadn't seen him fight. Mm-hmm. But part of that was because of the way that Tai Tuivasa made him fight. But how much of a sniper— is Cyril gone, dog. From the jab to the body kicks that he was just delivering to Ty over and over again, this dude looked next level. I mean, you got to think about this too,
0: D.C., when we're looking at striking matches, Cyril Ghan has, ne- has, has never lost one in the UFC. Obviously, we saw him lose against Francis Ngannou, but Francis made it a grappling match, match a, a wrestling match, kept continuing to take him down. We haven't seen Cyril Ghan outclassed on his feet his entire career in the UFC. And yeah, Ty to Ivasa made him fight, which was something I wasn't expecting. I expected Cyril to get, Cyril to get in, get out, move around, use his incredible athleticism and footwork but we watched him fight but he still was technical he still was skilled he used his range and after a while that became too much for Tai Tuivasa when you look back on the fight DC how do you feel about Cyril's S- wherewithal to understand that going to the body with the front kicks going to the body with the side kicks was eventually going to earn him this win when Tai Tuivasa is headhunting
1: the entire fight you know what's funny about that, bro? When you say that, like Ty's my boy, right? So we make jokes about each other. But like, when you see a dude like Ty with a body like that, you would imagine that's where the weak spot is, right? Like, that's why like <laughs> he used to kick me in the stomach. Hey, bro, I was talking about that yesterday. I was like, man, <laughs> no core. When they kick you, dog, when they <laughs> kick you in the stomach, it hurts so bad. It hurts bad against everybody. But if you're a guy that carries a little more around the middle. It hurts bad, bro. So him knowing that and just kind of seeing, right, what most people would expect would be a weakness. We just had not seen anyone really attack Ty in that way over the course of Ty's win streak. But his 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 wherewithal, his ability to follow the game plan, that yeah. was one thing that really stood out to me because even when he hurt Ty, he never started just going crazy. He would get back to the jab, boom, body kick, boom. He'd get back to the jab. And he threw the right hand. He never, like, just went out there and just started wasting punches trying to get to Tuivasa. He did exactly what he needed to do in order to find that finish. But I love those body kicks. But what I love most about the entire performance was when he got dropped, RC, it seemed like he got mad. The one thing we've never seen from Cyril Gan is an angry Cyril Gan because he was always so clean. Nobody ever could get to him. So he was able to fight relatively safe, but when he got dropped, it seemed like something clicked, and he realized, wait, I'm 6'4", I'm yeah. fast, I hit hard, and I can beat this guy in just about every area of mixed martial arts in terms of the striking. So he had a realization in there, and then he just kind of overwhelmed Tui Vasa. But it, I, it speaks to the toughness of Ty, but you could tell that as the fight kept going that Cyril Gan was the better fighter and he was going to win the fight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you knew who the, the the better fighter was, but when you're a guy like Ty two
0: Ivasa, you always have a striker's chance. And so it was yep. those moments. There, there were those moments where you were scared, or you saw that that surreal God had to go through some adversity, especially being dropped for the first time in the UFC. What it reminded me of was I remember watching uh, Floyd Mayweather fight Sugar Shane Mosley. And Sugar Shane caught Floyd twice early on in that fight. And, and Flo- Floyd's sitting in the corner and they're talking to him. And you could tell he's not listening because he was embarrassed. He was embarrassed mm. that he got caught like that. It was one of the first times we'd ever seen him in trouble from, from one punch in that way, especially doing during his reign as the most popular and pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. And what he turned on after that moment reminded me what I saw Surreal Gan do, right? He, he gets dropped and he doesn't shy away from contact. He doesn't feel like he has to go into a shell. He comes out and shows the champion's heart and wins that fight in, in overwhelming fashion with the TKO. When you're looking at that, DC, kind of that progression, you lose to Francis Ngannou while you're the interim champ. Now you fight the hottest fighter or the hottest striker in the heavyweight division, and you put him down. You also overwhelmed uh, Derek Lewis. Looking at Cyril Gan now, is he one of those guys that can miss his first shot at the championship and fight his way back into contention and win it maybe sooner than later?
1: You know, I think that he's much closer than what you thought he would be. Because mm-hmm. guys like Curtis Blades are on win streaks. We still have not seen John Jones make his heavyweight debut. So when Francis comes back, Cyril just had that performance. Who would be opposed to watching him fight again? Especially after seeing him fight in the way that he did. So I think he's very, very close, and he recognizes that. What I don't know, though, is if Francis's comment last weekend kind of makes for that to be a little bit more difficult because Francis kind of no-sold him. When Francis goes, it's a little bit hard to be impressed when I already beat the guy. It's almost like he kind of put him back down as people got excited about them possibly having a rematch. But I think that this guy is going to be a future champion. And I truly do believe that it's rooted in that ability to get a little bit disappointed, a little bit upset whenever he gets met, when he got hit, that, that dog, right? He showed a bit of a dog like that. We hadn't really seen from Cyril Gan. We've seen him knock people out. We have seen him outclass people. We have seen him break people down strategically, but we had never really seen him go, you know what? To hell with this. This dude is not beating me. I'm better. I'm going to just go get him because you got to remember he got dropped in round two by round three, the fight was over. And even in losing that round, or even in getting dropped in that round, by the end of round two, he was back on his stuff, Ryan. He was back on Ty right away, even though he was hurt. It was just a different Cyril gone, bro. It was a different, like, he It was a, he showed us a different side that we hadn't really seen from him. You know, I, and I think we're, we're talking so much about Cyril because we got to see him
0: fight through some adversity, but we also have to speak on his dance partner, Ty Avasa mm-hmm. You know, it takes two Tango. It takes two to give you the excitement and to give you the fight you've been wanting to see out of one of those fighter. And Ty's continued pressure, Ty's willingness to walk through fire or to walk through two to give one, that made Cyril Gan fight. But also Ty's style allowed us to see how technical Cyril Ghan is as well. And so that was... You know after a while, you can see him start to overwhelm Ty, and Ty did his best to stay in there. But no one could take that type of punishment Mm-mm. from a man so big, a man so powerful, a man so technical, and continue to fight. But there was another man that fought in the co main in Robert Whitaker who started to overwhelm Marvin Vittori, too. And we saw, you know, obviously at the end of the fight, him getting his hand raised. When you think a little bit, DC back on to. What we saw out of Robert Whittaker, is it another one of those times where against the number two uh, ranked fighter in Marvin Vittoria, is another one of those times where Robert Whittaker shows us he's championship class? It's just that right now,
1: Israel Adesanya holds the belt. You know, I think Robert Whittaker is so clearly ahead of everyone else. When you put him in there, he's going to just keep winning. And that is where the problem lies in the middleweight division because you have a clear number one and you have a clear number two. You have a clear number one A essentially because outside of Robert Whitaker losing to Izzy, nobody else can beat him. You remember when yep. he, he lost to Izzy the first time, got demolished, came yep. back, beat Darren Till, beat uh, Jared Cannonier, beat everyone in order to get back to a title fight. And then he fought better in the rematch. But the reality is he's just starting it once again, where everybody else outside of Edisonia, he just figures them out, and then eventually he breaks them down, and then you find him winning just as he did, RC, when he had the championship, now that he's lost the championship, and on the run to the championship initially, he is just better than most. He actually is better than everyone, but the champion, which is not something to be ashamed of when you've held the championship before. So for him, it's not as much about going out there and beating everyone else. It's beating everyone else, but also hoping for a little bit of luck, right? He needs Alex Pajeda to win the fight in November. It's not about getting back to Izzy. He needs change at the top because he doesn't seem to have the style to really deal with Adesanya's length. That's his issue. His issue with Adesanya is Adesanya's too tall. In the style makes it difficult for him, but he'll beat everyone else. And it feels like he's going to continue to beat everyone else because RC, I, I like Marvin Vittori and he gets a bit upset at times, but that was not a competitive fight. You could no. tell Robert Whitaker was the better fighter. Yeah, so, and, but that's the hard thing, DC. Like you're
0: talking about Alex uh, Pereira having to beat Israel Adesanya to give Robert Whitaker the fight. And, and, I, and I believe that has to happen because I don't know if I want to see him against Israel Adesanya for the third time as a fan, mm-hmm. right? Because what I do realize, and you even mentioned it when he fought Israel uh, for, the, for the second time, when he fought Izzy the second time, you said he has to make the fight boring. He has to be patient. He has to take him down. So from the outside looking in, from a fan's perspective, it says the only way or the way Robert Whitaker wins this fight is to make it boring is to make it ugly, is to to grind it out. And you know, a lot of times when you put Israel Adesanya in those fights, they aren't very exciting. But also, we have to understand that right now, Izzy has something bigger on his plate in Alex. You know, we've seen Mm -hmm. uh, Alex beat him twice, obviously put him out uh, the second time. And and this is different right now. This is mixed martial arts. This is where Israel Adesanya has truly become world famous and is you know been undeniably the champion at 185 so for for you dc what does robert whitaker continuing to lap the rest of the fighters in the division and israel adesanya still holding the belt does that give you israel uh adesanya robert whitaker three um in your opinion if israel is able to retain his belt at the fighting alex
1: you know historically in the ufc you don't get a title shot when you've lost to the champ twice. It's very difficult for them to go, we want you guys to fight again. And you saw Max Holloway, obviously, versus Volkanovski was a different situation. But Max was dominating the division just like Whitaker did, which put him right back in position to fight against uh, against Alexander Volkanovski. fight didn't go that way. But I'm telling you, Ryan, I sat on the opposite side before. When I had lost to Jones twice, I started thinking, I got to go to heavyweight. I got to do this. I got to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do in order to get back to the champion. Kobe Covington is in the same situation. So for Kobe Covington, Leon Edwards being the champion is so great because now it gives you hope because you lost to Usman twice. Obviously, Usman gets the immediate rematch, so then right. if he gets the bell back, it kills it. But it's like you need change at the top whenever you're a clear number 1A when you just can't get past the champ, and I think that's what Whitaker uh, needs. He needs something different to happen at middleweight, something very definitive. So if Mm -hmm. Pajeda goes out there and he starches Izzy, then maybe he starts going, "Eh, well, maybe Izzy can not fight him right back. Because if you remember, uh, Jose Aldo got knocked out so clearly that they moved on. Mm -hmm. Leon Edwards can't move on because he was getting beaten and then he got the finish at the end. But right. if Pajeda can do something very definitive, that is what Robert Whittaker needs if he hopes to try to find himself fighting for a championship again. Something definitive in a win from Alex Pajeda where they go, well, Izzy, go get a uh, go get another def- another t- fight somewhere and then we'll put you back in there with the champion. But if it ain't definitive, Izzy will get an re- immediate rematch even if he loses.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I agree with that. And that's the thing. One, Israel Adesanya has earned that immediate rematch with the way that he's controlled the the middleweight division. Obviously, only loss in the UFC or in MMA is to Jan Bahovic when he moved up to 205. But, you know, speaking of a guy that may one day be a middleweight, let's look a little bit forward to UFC 279 where we get Hamzat Chemaev against Nathan Diaz. And, you know, to some people, this may be a surprise match, D.C., but I think there was yeah. RC in the Pivot podcast that showed y'all long ago oh. that this fight was in the making. <laughs> and I don't know why people don't listen to me. Oh, RC is a casual. He's outside. How am I casual? How am I outside when I gave you this fight months ago? When I was sitting there with the matchmaker, with the man, Dana White. And I said, hey, guys, this is going to happen. And so we finally get to it. We get to see Hamzat match Nate Diaz, DC. When you look at this fight, which seems like a total mismatch, how do you see this playing out?
1: Well, first off, This is why I love my job, R.C., because you can't ask me how it's going to play out because then it would border on the line of making a prediction. And I can't do that because I have to call the fight. So, like, hey. You're such a politician. R.C., R.C., you remember when I said, I am Sweden? You go, no, Switzerland. So, hey, I am Switzerland (laughs) once again where I don't have to make a pick. You're like, no, D.C., it's not Sweden. It's Switzerland. (laughs) It's not Sweden. No one cares about Sweden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see, oh. So is there is, is there a path to victory for Nato? And, and if there is a path to victory for him, what would that be?
1: That borders on the line of a prediction, but uh, I will venture into that area just a little bit. I'll vent- okay, I'll move into the area of coach, okay, of coach. If I'm Nathan Diaz's coach, I'm saying let's get this fight to the ground, Let's look for submissions because Nate can box with anyone, but I feel like the power might be a bit of a problem for Nate because Tamaev is really big. And, bro, last year in Abu Dhabi when he grabbed me and we started wrestling a little bit, I was like, this dude is strong. For a middleweight, he's so strong and so big. Or for a welterweight, they're fighting that welterweight. He's so big and strong. So for me, if I'm Team Diaz, I'm trying to get this fight to the ground or I'm looking for submissions the moment I go down. Maybe time a guillotine when Chamaev goes in for a shot. But um, it, it's one of those situations where I believe that Nate has to go find his spots to give himself a chance. Because he can beat you from the boxing. Nate can box anyone. But the impact and the strikes will belong to Chemayev. In my opinion.
0: Yes, and that's the thing, right? Obviously, we know that Nate Diaz doesn't mind standing on his feet with any fighter inside the octagon, but we've watched Hamzat Shemaev, who we know has one-punch knockout power and also staying toe-to-toe with Gilbert Burns in a barn burner, um, you know, a few months ago. And so I think when you look at this fight, many are coming in as – this is the Hamzat Hamzat setup fight and the Nathan D, Diaz farewell fight and, and and they they believe that it won't be competitive and that's the reason that you make it on Nate's way out and Hamzat's way up and so for for me I'm looking for that Nate Diaz moment though the the the, the Leon Edwards you know punch in the 5th round and the yeah I got you and I'm not following up on it or you know the the, the Conor McGregor uh rear naked choke can nathan diaz find that moment that excites us one last time and and uh, to me that's why you truly tune in and listening to you talk about searching for submissions could you imagine if nate oh, diaz submits oh, hamzat chemaya bro in, in the the what it says ryan. about nate and and then what do you do with hamzat going
1: forward ryan ryan you remember how crazy we went when 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 Juliana beat Amanda Nunes? Yes. I believe that the reaction of if Nate submits this dude, it would be like on par with that. That's how crazy it would seem to be, considering the odds are like astronomical on the side of, of Hamzat Shamayev. So um, if this dude finds a way to go get a submission— crazy another reason I think that this fight should take place on the ground is because Nate has a whole bunch of scar tissue around his eyes so he cuts really really easy so if he's up there just trading with Shemayev while Gilbert Burns was able to do that take those shots and make the fight interesting Nate could do that also but the damage will look worse because of all the scar tissue that the Diaz boys carry around their eyes so it would be a bad visual for Nathan Diaz but I'm excited about it man I'm excited to watch Nathan Diaz fight, as I always am, because he's a good dude. He's, he's a cool he's a cool dude, and he fights with all of himself every time he goes in there.
0: Yeah, listen, the one thing we know about Nate Diaz is that he's not scared, and we actually may see the stock this slap at some point, which everybody loves. But Hamzat Chibayev, he said he ain't really playing that. Brett Okamoto sat down with him, and here's what he had to say is going to happen if Nate does try to slap him. What will happen if, in the first thirty seconds of this fight, Nate Diaz slaps you across the face? What will your reaction be? I slap back. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what if you get slapped? It's, it's fight. It can happen. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I gonna do like record with the slaps. You know, take him down. I just hold the arm. Slap, slap, slap. 100 slap. One one minute. Yeah. <laughs> record. You know. <laughs> hey, DC, these dudes, bro. They say anything. He's like, just slap, slap, slap. <laughs> I, I am actually looking forward to when Nate Diaz at least attempts to slap Hamza Chamaev. Uh, but thinking about Hamza DC and his kind of mm-hmm. meteoric rise, uh, probably since um, COVID. What does this fight do for him, and what does it mean for him? Or is this him taking a chance on fighting Nathan Diaz?
1: Oh, man. You see, Ryan, that's one of the issues. And I, I posed this question the other day, you know, I, did, I on my YouTube. I Like, what is this for? Like, what is this fight for for Hamza Shumayev? I don't quite get it because when you look at it, it doesn't seem like this win would get him closer to a title fight because I believe that the win that got him close to a title fight was the Gilbert Burns fight. And the only fight to win... That gets you closer than that is to go beat Kobe Covington. So you right. ask, like, what does a win over Nathan Diaz does? I think it's legacy. It's just a legacy win and an opportunity to go and get a big name on your on your uh, resume to get another scalp, collect a scalp uh, of a, a legend, and say that I dominated this guy. Because I don't believe that the win puts him any closer, especially now that Usman will fight Leon Edwards a third time. So. I believe this is just a pride one, man. This is one to, this is just one to get some money in the bank and one to really just collect that scalp. I really feel that. You know, you know, for me, th- this feels like
0: a, a BMF fight, right? This feels yeah. like a fight. Uh, okay, like he we are, we're almost propping him or or pedal stooling him up as the next gangster. And he mm. keeps talking about it, yeah. You say you're a gangster, like I'm a gangster too. And obviously yeah. it's different because I feel like we relate a little better to, to, to the Stockton thing, to, to him, to Nate being mm-hmm. from America. And it, and it seeming like Sons of Anarchy and all of those different things. But the way Hamzat Chimaev has fought makes him, for, for people like us who get it, it makes him a gangster too. And I think that's what we are doing with this fight, right? Saying that Hamzat Chimaev is technical in his grappling. He is a fierce striker, but he has it here and here, to be able to be inside the octagon with a guy like Nate Diaz, and 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 that's what we get from this fight. But DC, if if he wins, does he get the championship or does he get the opportunity? No matter what happens in the next Leon Kamaru, Uzman fight,
1: you know, you know, honestly, or do you, or, or do you see him will, moving up, DC? I think he will, Ryan. Like, I just know that the fight's so far away right? That they're not going to happen. Usman versus Masvidal is not happening right now. It's going to be a little bit. uh, Masvidal or Leon Edwards? I'm sorry. Usman versus Leon Edwards isn't happening right now. It's still going to be a little bit. So I think that because he's fighting so close to when they fought, he's got time to get another one in. So I don't question whether or not if they give him the right matchup, this guy will fight again. But he is deserving of a championship fight. Hell, Jorge Masvidal got his title fight off of beating Nathan Diaz in right. the BMF championship fight. So you, you have to uh, take everything into consideration, but I don't know what it does. But Hamzat says if they want to do it, for me, no problem. I'm going to take some other fight, and we'll see what's happening. It, it, to my point, right, he'll just fight again. But he is deserving, Ryan. When you beat Gilbert Burns, you're undefeated, you've looked like he's looked, he is deserving. And even if he fought at middleweight, it would be very, very refreshing to add another high-level talent to a talent-rich division like we have at 185. But honestly, when you think about UFC 279, for all that Hamza Chemaev is, Nate Diaz still carries the flag for that event. It's still the Nathan Diaz show. And a lot of that came from the rub he got from Conor McGregor. So it got us to thinking. Give us our three top Nathan Diaz moments, RC, and I'll let you go first. So my my, my, my three top Nathan uh, Diaz moments,
0: uh, I'm going to start with the, the Leon Edwards punch in the fifth round. And, and here's why. <laughs> Note that there's only one fighter in, in, in the world who could be losing the entire fight, finally land the punch he's been looking for for five rounds, and actually not attack and it'd be enough for him and enough for the fans that him just (laughs) going like that was enough to get everybody fired up and be like, yeah, but he got his get back. It don't matter if he lost, he got his get back. That's what (laughs) Nate Diaz has done to the entire fighting world. And then my my other one I'm going to bring up is his interaction with Conor McGregor and actually winning the fight, you know, throwing the water bottles, cussing, like like the way they were acting and then to actually fight him and pull it off, to be down early for Conor to be wailing on him, winning in the striking, him bloodied, bruised, and to find a way to tap out Conor McGregor at the height of Conor McGregor, I thought it was just, I thought it was amazing, and I thought it was so Diaz for him to say that he wasn't surprised. And that number one for me is going to be our introduction to Nate Diaz. In the tough house, right? Taking Mm -hmm. off his shirt inside the house, ready to go at any second, but then showing amazing jujitsu and winning fight after fight after fight until becoming the ultimate fighting champion. I think that was one of those moments where it's like it might not look a certain way, it might not sound a certain way, it might not present a certain way, but when you get a guy that's a real dog inside the octagon, he's going to show you how to win. And that's what Nate Diaz has done throughout his career.
2: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Yeah, Nate Diaz is fun, but I got a question for you before I move into my top three. Uh... How big is your yard? Because we've been going for like 45 minutes, and the guy's still cutting one patch of grass in your backyard. Like, how big is your yard, dog? Like, what is going
0: on? Hey, first off, it's five acres. But the the thing is, for some reason, they just want to cut right here by the window (laughs) the entire time. Like, it's a lot of yard to cut, bro. It's built like a pie, about a slice of pie. And he's like, the only slice that matters is the one right outside of D.C. at R.C., (laughs) My bad, man.
1: <laughs> Dog, let me tell you, I'm moving back to Louisiana because if you get 15,000 square feet and five acres, my goodness, come on, Come on man. back, brother. <laughs> I got to go home. All right, guys. So here are my top three Nathan Diaz moments. One, when Nate Diaz beat Michael Johnson in Florida, and got a Mike Joe Rogan goes, Nate, it's been a while, years. Even back in 2015, Ryan, Nate was taking breaks. And Nate grabs Mike and goes, F that. Conor McGregor, you taking everything that I work for. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. The entire, the entire post-fight interview, dog, was just like beep, beep, beep. And it was on network television. It was tremendous because Nate just went nuts. He went <laughs> nuts, bro. Just so Nathan Diaz. Number two, winning the ultimate fighter. I agree with you because it was our our introduction to Nate Diaz. Yep. He was he was just a different dude. And he, he like you said, ready to fight at any moment. But when he went into the octagon, he was very limited in his skills. You knew what he could do. But he was tough enough to implement those skills and ultimately win the competition. And last, fighting Conor McGregor on short notice, but beating Conor McGregor on short notice. I think that was, yeah, submitting him on short notice. Because I remember when they, they announced that it was going to be those two, and Conor told him something to the effect of, He's such a gangster, he throws up gang signs with the left hand, all the while doing balloons for the children with his right hand, and Nate was cussing at him, screaming at him, throwing stuff at him. It was crazy, bro. The build in such a short period of time seemed like those guys were on par to fight for months. So Nate Diaz, from that call-out after the Michael Johnson fight, when he was not in contention for a fight of that magnitude, He wasn't supposed to be a guy that was on that radar. Ultimately, he talked himself into that fight by doing that because when they were looking for an opponent, they go, hey, remember what Nate Diaz said back in Orlando a couple years ago? Let's do the McGregor fight, right? Or let's go make that fight. Ended up being two of the best fights we've seen in a long time. But there are a ton of Nathan Diaz moments. And when a guy has 15 post fight bonuses, Nate Diaz has over 750 grand in post fight bonuses. He's in fun fights. And he will forever be remembered inside the octagon for everything that he did. He was he was tremendous. It does not matter what happens this weekend. And as you said, him pointing to Leon Edwards was enough to essentially, yeah. he won. He actually yeah. won. He got his get back. He got his <laughs> hey, that's it. Hey, it's
0: like back in the like back in the gap, man, back in the day when we when you would fight in the street or whatever it was, and you might take a L. You'd be like, nah, man, I gotta get my get back. And what that means is like at some point, I need a moment. To feel like I have taken something of the other persons too. And that's yep, what Nate yep. Diaz did. I think the, the the thing that makes uh Nathan Diaz and and even his brother to a certain extent uh kind of unicorns of, of the game is they were they weren't, you know, Nate wasn't a champion. Uh he got opportunities to to fight people who, who were, but he wasn't a champion. And he created this alter ego that also created a different way of UFC matchmaking. That you knew he could headline a card, like like we're seeing um, in UFC 279. You knew that he would bring eyeballs to the screen and he would bring money to the pay-per-views. And so for Nathan Diaz to have created that that sort of caricature uh, of himself that now people almost idolize in the UFC and in the MMA world and are, I think, starting to try to be. That, no, I may not be able to be the champion, but I can be exciting, I can be controversial, and I can make people watch. And that's why we're going to get UFC 279. And here, let's look at some of the other fights uh, that we'll have um, for the weekend. And I think the the big one is now seeing Tony Ferguson uh, move back up to, to welterweight to fight Lee. Obviously, we have... Uh, Chasson and Aldana, Walker, uh Qtulaba, and uh we get to see Kevin Holland, our favorite uh black Batman, get another opportunity <laughs> to step into the octagon. But DC, Tony Ferguson has has been on the slide. We haven't seen the vintage boogeyman in a very long time. What are you looking to see from him this weekend that says yes, Tony should continue stepping into the octagon? Some
1: positives, right? Some positives. Because with Charles Oliveira, there weren't many positives. With Justin Gaethje, there were no positives. Even in the Benil Dariush fight, there were no positives. But against Michael Chandley, he hurt him, right? So, okay, there's something he still can hit really hard. And as they've said for a long time, power is the last thing to go when you're dealing with these longtime veterans. So I want to see something positive. I want to see something change, some changes that he has made since he has been – to Jackson's gym, Jackson Wink down in um, Albuquerque. So, I want to see something different. Here's the issue for me: when you get knocked out by at 155 by Michael Chandler, when you get knocked out or TKO'd at 155 by Justin Gaethje, when you get dominated by Benil and uh, Benil and Charles Oliveira at 155, it would not seem like going up to welterweight would be the move. But if there is a guy that can let go of the past and everything that happened prior to go and try to make a statement, it is Tony Ferguson. But in Lee Jingliang, this guy is tough. He hits hard. And this is a very difficult matchup in his first time fighting at welterweight in a long time. So while I'm looking for something positive, I don't expect all that much as of right now, he's gonna have to show me something. Yeah, and I think
0: that's the that's the thing for for Tony Ferguson is all of those things did happen at one fifty five, and I fought some of the top guys, and I've lost to so many of them. Maybe a move up gives me gives me a fresh opponent, gives me another opportunity to do something different. Someone that hasn't been studying me at this weight class for an extended period of time, and we all want to see the old Tony Ferguson. But sometimes you just get the old Tony Ferguson. And mm. I think that's the mm. very difficult point is us realizing when we don't have it anymore. And I think mm. what you said was so powerful about the fact that the power is the last thing to go. Like, I remember in my second to last game, you know, I was fired up. We were playing the Eagles. I had 20-something tackles. But mm. being able to recover from that, being able to get in and out of the next week was very difficult. Like, I could still hit. Like, I can still run. But to do it all was hard for me, and I think if you can't do it all like you used to inside of the octagon, it could get very difficult for you. So we'll see what will happen this week
1: against Lee. RC, so when you were making that determination, right, we we spoke about retirement a little bit on the show prior. But you you still, like, even though you can still run, even though you can still hit, even though I can still punch, and even though I can still kick, I can still train a little bit, you got to kind of know right yep. because Tony Ferguson has to understand that the reflexes are probably a little bit slower mm-hmm. his movements are a little bit slower so when you were doing that Ryan like you said that crawling up the stairs was ultimately yep. what made the determination but like what do you think it'll take for a guy like Tony because whereas we seem very uh cognizant of ourselves yeah. we know we recognize the situation Tony thinks differently and that's what made him great Tony's ability to just let go of everything, makes him great but what do you think it'll take for him to go you know what man I just ain't got it no more because he's been getting beaten overall and he's getting knocked out so you would think that that would be enough to tell him but he doesn't seem to want to be done with it you know you know what happens DC
0: and this is the this is like the equation I, I, I use for me it wasn't necessarily can I do it at all for me it was the reward of game time, the reward of doing what I've always loved to do wasn't worth the preparation, right? Mm. What I had to go through throughout the week or what, you know, fighters may have to go through throughout fight, fight camp, when you get inside that octagon or when you get on that field, it's no longer worth what it takes to get out there. See, to me, what was happening on Sunday or Monday night or whenever we was playing wasn't worth what I had to do the rest of the week the things I had to drag Mm -hmm. myself through and when it got to that for me I was like okay that's a problem because you have to love the train you have to love to prepare you have to love to fight through the injuries and if you don't you actually can't be good at your job and so when it started to me being like you know what man like I don't feel like doing treatment tonight I don't feel like going get stressed I don't feel like doing this like this isn't working for me. I don't like limping down the stairs on Saturdays. When those things happen and I couldn't enjoy in the fulfillment of pushing through and playing, I knew that was it for me and it was time for me to tap out. But speaking of tapping out, DC, right now we got to jump into our favorite segment of the day. It's tap in or tap out. We got Jake back on the God mic, fresh from Italy. He's probably sitting somewhere with his pinky up holding his microphone.
2: That's right. Good to be back. All right, guys. Darren Till had an interesting take on Leon's first title defense. He tweeted Edwards versus Majidal in England is bigger than Edwards versus Usman in England, in his opinion. So RC, tap in or tap out on Darren Till's take regarding Leon Edwards.
0: So this is what's crazy. I tap out on the take in the sense that I in the sense that Kamaru Usman deserves the next chance, right? But Here's what I'm tapping in on. Masvidal Edwards would 100% be a bigger ticket, a bigger fight, and more intriguing, at least in the lead up, than Kamaro Usman Leon Edwards. We're talking about going back to give this man a fight on his home turf against a dude that three-pieced him. Right, unknowingly backstage. Hell yeah, that's the fight. To, that that's the fight that is way more exciting to me to see Kamara Usman Leon Edwards do it again in England. I'm just saying.
1: I don't know what you think, DC. That's what I feel. I, I, I actually agree with you. I tap in that it's the bigger fight. He hit him. He snuck him in England. They were. You got to remember they were over there when he got snuck. He got snuck at home by Jorge Masvidal. So yes, it would be a bigger ticket. Unfortunately, it's not the right fight because ultimately, R.C., it's got to be merit. And losing three fights in a row doesn't warrant a championship fight. And it's not like Usman versus Edwards is going to bomb. So it's going to be a massive fight too. But will it reach the level of Masvidal Edwards? I don't think so. We also got to really remember that um, we've seen Jorge lose quite a bit recently. So the yeah. intrigue of that fight back in 19 isn't the same that it is today. Jake. I agree.
2: Well, guys, last week news came out that Jake Paul and former UFC legend Anderson Silva are expected to face off in a boxing match later this year. So, DC, tap in or tap out on this Paul versus Silva potential bout.
1: I tap in. I tap in. Because for whatever people think of Anderson's age, this would be the most difficult fight that Jake Paul has taken because yes. everything that Jake Paul has done, and he has done some good stuff, beating Tyron twice, Ben Askren, and my God, Nate Robinson, what he did to poor mm. Nate Robinson. Mm. I mean, what he has done has been tremendous. But nothing, nothing equates to what Anderson did in beating Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. If yep. you could be the guy that spent his entire life around boxing over the course of an entire fight, You are real in the game, and I believe that Anderson's, his mind for fighting, his ability to still implement things would be very difficult for Jake Paul. And guess what, Ryan? I can choose here, and if those two fight, i pick Anderson Silva to beat Jake Paul even at his age right now. Listen, 100%. Anderson Silva could be 100 years
0: old. Anderson Silva could be as, <laughs> as old as Morgan Freeman, and I'm still going to pick him to beat Jake Paul because it's just it's Anderson Silva. But I do tap in on this. I tap in on Jake Paul still understanding that maybe he can't beat a guy who's boxed his entire life, but also gets that Anderson Silva carries a cachet, carries a respect, carries a level of validity that we will look at this and say, at least Jake Paul is stepping up in competition and putting himself in harm's way against one of the best to ever do it in combat sports and Anderson Silva. So I tap in on this Jake, what we got next over the
2: weekend video surfaced of Facebook founder, Mark Zuckerberg, mixing it up with a training partner uh, ahead of his training partner's fight. It caught the eye of some of UFC's biggest names like Conor McGregor, Joe Rogan, and Sean O'Malley. So, R.C., tap in or tap out on Zuckerberg's fighting skills.
0: Listen, Zuckerberg got a little bit with him. And the other thing is this, too, man. If I'm a billionaire, I'm pretty sure no matter who my training partner is, he ain't trying to put me to sleep. But I do tap in on him getting in there. I tap in on him getting active. And you never know who's going to be upset about Facebook's new changes that might want to put hands on him. So you always got to be
1: prepared. <laughs> I tap in. I think everybody should do some sort of martial art. I really do. I think that is so good for you. I think it, it really helps you with everything that you're doing. I tap in. I'm glad that Zuckerberg's training. I'm glad that Zuckerberg's, Zuckerberg is learning. And I believe that there's a lot of benefit to it.
2: All right, guys, one more. Last Thursday on First Take, the panel was asked who will win NFL MVP this season. Take a listen to the former NFL linebacker Bart Scott's answer.
0: Way to go out on a limb, Stephen A. That will be um, Jameis Winston. <laughs> Wait, did you just say, did you just say James really? Winston for MVP this season? <laughs> okay, and, and, and Saints for the. Why are you looking like that? All like, I, 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 I picked the Saints for the Super Bowl. Michael Thomas, you gonna throw for about? James gonna throw. He might lead the league in passing. When you think about a lot of,
2: he might lead the league in interceptions too. Uh-huh. He's done it. I mean, you know he did throw for 5,109 right yards and 30 interceptions. He did do that once before. He could do both. DC. Tap in or tap out on not only Jameis Winston as MVP, but the Saints making the Super Bowl. Uh,
1: oh, I love it. I think Bart Scott is my favorite online person on air personality. Nah, guy, hey, Bart Scott, I love you, man. It's finally, somebody go up there with some sense. Because I see Ryan Clark up there trying to be smart. Stephen A trying to be smart. Everybody wanna be so smart. Sometimes you gotta just have common sense. And Bart Scott has common sense. Yes. Jameis Winston's winning the MVP and the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. We're gonna hoot at and we're gonna march all the way to the Super Bowl. So yes. And Bart Scott, you have a you have a permanent seat at the table at my house for dinner. Whatever you need, my friend, let your boy know. Yes, I believe I agree with Bart Scott. Ryan. Listen. Is what I, it is. I, I, I do not tap out on the fact that the
0: Saints can be in the Super Bowl and are Super Bowl contenders they're not going to give Jameis Winston the MVP. (laughs) Jameis Winston is not getting the MVP. Jameis Winston may be in MVP conversations. He may be MVP talks. They're going to triple, double judge Jameis Winston because he threw 30 interceptions a few years ago, and the people ain't going to never let that go, man. He might get most the rule player. He might get
1: comeback player of the year. Jameis Winston is not winning the MVP, but the state's going to be real good. (laughs) RC, he going to be doing all kind of weird stuff, too. He going to be doing all kind of weird stuff. (laughs) Hey, I tell you what, DC,
0: here's what I need to know, though, man. Now that the show is ending, you got to give me and Yonk somewhere to eat in Stillwater, bro. Jordan and and Arizona State plays against Oklahoma State this weekend. I'm going to
1: be in town. You know why I'm wearing it? Because I knew, hey, I knew – Dead man walking. Y'all was sentenced. Hey, this ain't, Jordan wasn't coming. Jordan wasn't coming, so I wanted you to look for the sentencing. Your sentencing, your death day, Arizona State football is Saturday, down in Stillwater. Because once you hit Cowboy Country, boy, we about to put it on these dudes. We threw up 60 last weekend. We threw 60 up last weekend. I need you to tell me where I could go
0: and say, hey, Daniel Cormier is my friend and my co-host. Where's the free stuff?
1: Where can hey, I here's go get taken care of? You could, you could, but the moment you walking out, putting out an all points bulletin, charge him <laughs> double, charge him double the moment hey. he's still water. I'm sending you to the worst <laughs> restaurant in town. <laughs>
0: hey what type of friend are you you know what you're the type of guy you're a Dominic Cruz type guy I see who oh. you are now bro <laughs> I see what type of friend and what type of colleague oh you God. are hey listen every Tuesday you can catch us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. also on ESPN too we love you guys man it's fun so glad to be back Babe, I'm gonna burn that orange shirt at the Arizona oh. State go down and <laughs> whip them boys this weekend man we gonna holla at you Yo this is DC NRC <laughs>